Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Poole. Today, I want to talk to you about how we as B2B small business owners can compete at the same level as much larger competitors. Let's get started. You have a B2B small business. Are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B small business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a fantastic day today. In the last episode, we talked about how important the concept of scope is in all parts of your business and how to use it to your advantage. Today, I want to talk to you about how we can level the playing field and even have an advantage over our competitors, whether we're dealing with larger competitors, a large number of competitors, or just your industry in general and the economy as a whole. The concept I want to talk about is something that I call a force multiplier. In the military, uh, there's a term called, you know, combat force multiplier. And basically what it means is, you know, let's, for example, uh, you have a hundred infantry soldiers, you know, basically the ground soldiers that had just have a rifle, don't have any other equipment, and they're facing an enemy, you know, on the ground also with, you know, uh, just rifles and that sort of thing. But there's a thousand of the enemy and only a hundred of them, you know, and, um, you know, just imagine they were lined up, you know, old school, you know, like European armies used to do and line up and just shoot each other. But, you know, that's obviously going to be most likely a slaughter from the thousand enemy soldiers firing at the hundred soldiers. You know, they're 10 to one out numbers, you know, David and Goliath and all that good stuff. And, you know, in business, that's kind of like facing a vastly uh, bigger competitor. But, you know, change the scenario for a minute. You know, let's say those hundred soldiers have one of those A-10 warthogs, which is basically a low flying, heavily armed plane. And it's able to strafe the enemy lines and, you know, basically equal the battlefield and just destroy the other uh, enemy. You know, another example, if you ever seen that movie 300, you know, they basically the 300 Spartans were uh, facing, you know, a million person army uh, with the Persians coming in. And, you know, they basically moved the, the battle uh, where they, they met into a small uh, canyon area that basically forced the massive enemy facing 300 soldiers to fight man to man on equal terms. So that's an example of uh, what, you know, is known in the military as a combat force multiplier, basically taking a small group of people and giving them some kind of capability that makes them be able to face and either prevail or even prevail over, you know, a much larger force. You know, so how does this relate to business? Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, in small businesses, uh, you know, we either have uh, a ton of competitors or we've got competitors with deep pockets, large companies, uh, or just industry changes that, you know, can threaten to kill our businesses. and. But the way we have to look at it is that we're not necessarily at a disadvantage these days. You know, force multipliers in business are things that allow small businesses and even individuals to take advantage of technology, creative tactics, and speed, which really levels the playing field with larger, well-funded, and even numerous competitors. You know, um, as an example of a force multiplier in business, uh, we started our company, Sales Double, back in 2002. And you know, it was primarily because we got burned by two different telemarketing companies that basically took us for $6,000 and which was at the time about all we had, uh, cause we were just starting out, you know, and we didn't have any outside capital. I didn't have a job and my partner was kind of running his high end paint company while making calls from, you know, job sites and that sort of thing. You know, I'd left my job at Merrill Lynch uh, as a stockbroker for this new venture and 
I didn't really have a fallback either. So, you know, we had to make something work. We used to joke that uh, my backup plan was to be a greeter at Walmart. And believe me, that motivated me. So there we were. We knew to, knew we needed to grow our business and we found that cold calling was the most effective way, but we couldn't really afford any outside help. So we had to do it ourselves. But, you know, how were we going to compete with, you know, phone rooms that paid thousands of dollars and office equipment, um, office space, employee costs and all that kind of stuff. And definitely from a financial standpoint, there was no way we could. But so we got creative and we decided to try hiring contracts at contractors to do cold calling from their home and use uh, their own home phone. And basically, our only cost was what we paid them. All the other costs were absorbed by the contractor. Now, you got to understand this was a very uncommon way to do things back then. Uh, today, it's commonplace, especially with what's happened recently with the virus and all that. But in those days, if you didn't have an office, uh, in-office employees, you know, you weren't considered a real company. But within a few years, we grew enough on this model where we were competing and winning clients from much larger established companies. Basically, we used a creative tactic and basic technology to compete with well-funded and large companies, just like the soldiers getting help from the A-10 uh, Warthog. So hopefully you're getting the, the parallel of the idea of using a combat force multiplier or in, in business, you can call it leverage or just a force multiplier, whatever you want to call it. I just go with force multiplier. It's an easy concept. But, you know, so in a practical sense, how do you take advantage of this in your day-to-day -day business? And the way I look at it, there are three basic categories of force multipliers. Number one, you've got technology. I mean, uh, think about it. 20, 25 years ago, you know, you had to, if you wanted to start a business, you had to get a lawyer, form a corporation, an LLC or whatever, depending on your state. Uh, you had to have startup capital to be able to fund advertising, telemarketing, you know, anything to do with revenue growth. You had to find local employees, pay their salaries and benefits, pay for physical office space, expensive phone service and long distance. You know, you had to pay a printer for business cards and brochures that could easily go into the thousands of dollars. It was all custom and so on. And so what this meant was that it took a significant personal investment, borrowing money or partnering venture capital, that sort of thing. This was a huge barrier that large companies really could exploit to keep out new competitors. But, you know, in our modern times, none of this is really necessary. In fact, it can sometimes be a drag on the company revenue and even a crutch. Today, we can start a business, uh, develop a service or product quickly, and distribution has never been easier or more accessible. You know, speaking of distribution, you know, that's kind of always been the king of business. Uh, those who control distribution channels were able to keep everyone else out. You know, you look at somebody like Sam Walton, Walmart, that were, you know, sort of the pioneers in this area, at least in the last, you know, 50 years or so. And you've seen what's happened to companies like Amazon who take on one industry after another when they really started from nothing. And it's because of the distribution channel that they now have. Again, in the past, it was very difficult to break into distribution channels. But today with the Internet, we can get our products and our services out to really whoever we want to with very little cost and compete with the big boys, so to speak. You know, taking advantage of low cost and widely available technological tools is a massive force multiplier that makes starting a business out of your garage possible and possible to compete with larger companies at a high level. The second business uh, force multiplier in my mind is speed. When it comes down to it, speed of execution is one of the most important factors when it comes to the growth of your business. Speed of execution will grow your business faster than money, talent, or even luck for that matter. You know, if you're like me, you've got all kinds of ideas, all kinds of tactics and strategies that you know would help your business grow. But oftentimes we look back six months or a year later after discovering the idea and we realize we haven't implemented it. So let me ask a question. What would happen if we could implement every idea you have that could quickly grow your company? My guess is your business would explode. You know, the problem is that we all tend to move in a linear fashion. You know, it's human nature. You know, I know I do it too. 
you know, you do one thing and then you wait to finish it. Then you do another thing, wait to finish it, do another thing. However, you know, if you start to think about tactics and strategy in a parallel sense, you can start to uh, see how that growth would really be accelerated. Imagine if you have 10 ideas that you're certain would quickly grow your business. If you implemented one of them a month, it would take you 10 months, obviously. You know, and that's fine. But what if you're able to find ways to speed up that execution of those activities so that you're able to do two of them at a time? So you're able to com- uh, complete that in five months. You know, you're probably saying, well, duh, you know, Robert, that's kind of obvious. Of course, you, it makes sense, you know, but how do you do things two times faster? Well, in my experience, it, it really starts with the question of, okay, how could I speed this up? You know, brainstorming and pondering on this question. You know, if you're immediately saying to yourself, well, you know, these activities are too much. There's no way I can speed them up, you know, twice the speed. You know, it, I mean, it really goes back to the old saying, you know, that if um, you say you can do it, you're right. And if you say you can't do it, you're also right. Uh, you know, so it's amazing how ideas start to come to you when you open yourself to possibilities. I mean, this is not some kind of Wayne Dyer mystical thing. It's uh, actually science and no disrespect to Wayne, but my business partner worked for him 30 years ago and he didn't really paint a flattering picture of the guy behind the scenes. But anyway, side note, but anyway, so if you start opening up yourself to possibilities, you know, your brain uses that reticular activating system they talk about. And, you know, it's the thing that, you know, when you go out and buy a new car and then suddenly you notice all the same cars on the road that you didn't see before. And basically answers come with focus. So if you ask those questions long enough and spend enough time on them, you'll be able to start speeding up your execution and start implementing your ideas faster than your larger competitors, you know, who are kind of stuck in cruising mode and not real focused on the fast fast growth that you are. So speed is definitely a force multiplier in my mind. And so the third area I think that is a force multiplier is creativity. You know, if you're creative enough, you can multiply your chances of competing with any competitor. You know, just like the Spartans in 300, if you're able to come up with tactics that make your competitors respond to you and go on the defense, you're likely to be able to play on a more level playing field. You know, I think a great example of this is uh, from Russell, Russell Brunson. He's the kind of the sales funnel guru. And, you know, in case you haven't heard of him, but he's the owner of a $100 million company called ClickFunnels that makes software that enables you to build online sales funnels quickly. But, you know, he was able to grow his company to that level without a dime of venture capital. And that's kind of one of his big mantras. So how did he do it? Well, he talks about the concept that a, a company that can spend the most to acquire a customer will always win. And, you know, if you think about it, I think that's true. You know, the reason a large company can win large accounts in B2B is because they have huge sales teams, relationship manners, managers, uh, spend a ton of money and wine and dining customers, advertising up the yin-yang, et cetera. I mean, you get it. Um, and, you know, the reason they can do this is because they have venture capital or public money, you know, th- that type of thing. So how does a small business compete on that level? You know, back to the Russell Brunson example, the way he does it in his business is, you know, what most people consider backwards. Instead of uh, a customer being a, a cost to acquire, he actually makes money on his customers almost as soon as they come into contact with them. You know, he does this with, you know, his marketing on social media, pay-per-click and that sort of thing. But, you know, he's basically internet marketing and advertising. So he starts with all of its ads pointed to some free report to, a free plus shipping book or, you know, something of value to a prospective customer who's viewing the ad. And, you know, it might cost him, you know, five or $6 to get somebody to click and then uh, pay for his, um, you know, the shipping on his free book or to get a free ticket to an event, uh, you know, or low cost or something. But however, after the person puts in their credit card to pay for the nine ninety five shipping or whatever it is, you know, he hits them up for additional upsales. His confirmation page basically says, you know, your order isn't complete yet, you know, 
how would you like the audio copy of the 30 for $30 or something? Or, you know, and then he gives a couple additional upsells that progressively increase the price. And, you know, obviously the upsells get a, a small percentage of people to buy something, particularly the, as they ratchet up in uh, price. But using these upsells on the back end of a product, he's able to increase the average net revenue that he brings in to pay for that five or six dollar customer 10 times over. This allows him to outbid all his bigger competitors for ad space and they wonder how he does it. And, you know, and in my mind, that's pretty creative. So the question for all of us is, how do we get creative in doing things like that? How do we get free advertising and publicity, for instance? You know, how do we afford to get people to work for us and do some of the things we need to implement without breaking the bank? In my mind, this kind of creativity is much more important and much more critical than financial backing, loans, and personal investment. Speaking of capitalization, you know, as a side note, it always, when it comes to business failures, you know, one of the main reasons people always state when asked why they went out of business is a lack of funding. And, you know, obviously funding is helpful and, you know, depending on your industry, but, you know, it can also become an excuse for a, a lack of creativity, which is really what will put you out of business in the long run. So takeaways from this episode, you know, don't get discouraged or, or think you can't compete with the big guys, you know, people with more experience than you, or even in a market crowded with competitors, because these days you can, you know, and there are really three ways to do this in your business. You can use the technology that's now available to just about everyone. You can use the speed of your execution that bigger companies can't do and, you know, others don't have. And then finally, using that creativity, which will allow you to make things possible that don't seem so on the surface. So I would encourage you to think through these three areas and where you can make some immediate changes to accelerate the growth of your business. It'll be well worth your time. I hope you got something out of this and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Have an outstanding day. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. Now, I've also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years uh, in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.